We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Blue Wire. Welcome back. This is the Big Blue Banter, New York Giants football podcast. I'm Dan Schneier, joined as always my co-host Nick Bellato. Today we got a special guest on the podcast. Our boy Daniel Bellinger, tight end of the New York Giants, is joining us for the show. So first of all, Daniel, how are you doing today? I know you're down at tight end U, so how's things going over there? It's good, man. It's, it's hot out here, but uh, it's, it's a lot of fun and it's definitely a lot of good work. All right, Daniel, we're going to get into uh, talking about your blocking because we're huge fans on this podcast of how you block. And most rookie tight ends, they kind of struggle to hold up at the point of attack. And Dan and I talk about Mike Mayock saying, we just want our tight ends to lose slow enough. And for whatever reason, Daniel, you don't lose slow enough. You're not a mediocre blocker. You're very impressive. So can you walk us through your process as a blocker in base situations? What are your aiming points? What is your mental process? And do you love blocking as much as it looks like you do on tape? Uh, I appreciate you saying that first off. Uh, you know, it's definitely a tough thing coming in as a rookie, you know, seeing these, these DNs that are, you know, just elite athletes. And uh, for me, it's, I've always loved blocking. You know, I feel like, you know, coming into high school, even uh, just coming in and being able to put my hand in the dirt to me, it always felt like real football. Um, and so it was always kind of like a, a pride thing to be able to block and be able to block efficiently. Uh, you know, that's probably one of the biggest things that I've, I've learned, uh, especially from guys like George and those guys that are this elite blockers is, it's not so much like, like can I, can I base drive a guy that's 295 pounds, five yards? It's more, can I block efficiently enough um, to not just be effective on my block, but be effective for, you know, Saquon or, or the offensive scheme. So I definitely love blocking. Um, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a physical standpoint that, that to me defines football almost because, you know, you need, you need those guys in the trenches, you know, whether it's the O-linemen or the tight ends and, I feel like it's just so important to the game and it's important to, to any scheme because if you can run the ball, then it opens up everything else, right? So uh, I love blocking and, you know, my mindset on blocking is just just, just kind of that, that, to me, I call it the Kittle mindset, just blocking efficiently and it's, and it's you know, taking the right footwork and obviously depending on the play, uh, whether power or, you know, power gap scheme, outside zone, inside zone, kind of just making sure I take the right steps and, and uh, getting, getting the right six-inch steps on a guy and, and really – I feel like, and this is something I got from Lee Smith, um, really it comes down to like, even if I have the wrong leverage or I take the wrong footwork or my hands aren't quite where they need to be, it comes down to just getting in a fight with a guy and, and being able to, to not just stand your ground, but be able to win that fight. And, you know, sometimes I just need to win the fight for half a second and then the running backs pass me. So I uh, just kind of be able to just get in there and, and fight with a guy and, and compete is 
it's probably my favorite part about football, and I feel like that just defines blocking. So, yeah, it definitely looks like it on tape, man. We we saw that very early on, and we tried to bring that to the listeners early. You mentioned George, who I know you're learning down, and that's George Kittle, who I know you're learning down a little bit from or working with at tight end. You, I was doing a little research before this podcast, listening to a couple pods that George himself was on, talking a little bit about tight end you. And he mentioned things like they're bringing in Jordan Reed to teach releases, which I thought was really cool. Cause before the injuries, Jordan Reed to me was probably the best in the game at just getting open at the tight end position quickly. What's kind of your biggest takeaway from your experience down there so far? Yeah, uh, that was definitely one of them. Uh, you know, Reed came in and, and discussed releases. And then of course, Gronk came in and talked about yak and, and uh, what to do with the ball in your hand. And then, you know, Kelsey went over his routes and Kittle with, uh, with the, with the run game. And, my biggest takeaway from it all was just how how obsessed with football these guys were <laughs> almost. And it's just like I feel I have that like same obsession where it's like not only do I wanna know like how these guys are doing it, but I kinda wanna put it put my own kind of twist on it and, and be able to use what they're telling me and, and teach like whatever they're teaching me and kinda take it into my game and then kinda mold it in a way that I can make it my own almost, if that makes sense. But but yeah, I mean, I just I took away that the the obsession from these guys and and how 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 motivated they were to just because they're at the top of the game, right? They're, these are the best, of the best, and especially Jordan Reed when he was healthy, and it was just like learning from these guys. It's it just it it fuels me to to be obsessed with my craft as well. Daniel, I want to ask you about a play in week five against the Green Bay Packers. You scored a rushing touchdown on a variation of the Philly special. Daniel, what was going through your mind when Saquon pitched the football to you? And was that a specific game plan type of play? And how close were you to throwing the football to Daniel Jones there? Yeah, so uh, we had worked on that play um, all through camp and OTAs the previous year. And it was something that, that Dave likes to have fun with. You know, he did it in Buffalo with Dawson Knox before. And so uh, when they first showed me that, that play on film, I was like, oh, I can do this. You know, I, I was a quarterback way back when, so, you know, I could do it. <laughs> so we practiced it a bunch. And um honestly like we practiced every week so it's just kind of one of those things where um i wasn't sure if it's gonna get called this week i'm not sure if it'll get called you know the end of the season if we're ever even gonna call it this season and i remember just getting down to the goal line and um it was like if we were if we were by like the five yard line or whatever it was we we're gonna call the play <laughs> and so we we finally got down there and then in my head i was just like are we gonna call it so we, we get the we, we get the huddle and my coach looking at me with a big smile on his face i'm like all right here we go He's gonna he's gonna call the play, and he he, he called it. And, uh, the play was the the Bellinger special uh, <laughs> play call for it, and I was all right. Here we go. And I was nervous at first because it was like I mean it works it works in practice. You know I saw I seen Buffalo run it and it worked very well. So I'm like, hopefully it works just as well as it did then. Um, so we snap it. You know DJ tossed it to Saquon. Saquon tossed it to me. And the the full play is I'm supposed to throw it to DJ. Uh, so the whole time I'm looking to throw it. Like, I'm getting ready to throw it, and then uh, I just remember Dave's in the back of my head just yelling at me. He's like, just be smart with it. Just be smart with it. If DJ's not there, just run it. And it was like, if I if I had the accuracy and the arm power of DJ, I would have thrown it. But in my head, I'm like, I'm not even going to risk it. So I just took a little hole and just just took it. And it was awesome, man. I've, I've even, like, rewatching it. Uh, I believe Tanner Hudson, like, snuck out and – he was open, like I could have thrown it to him as well, and I was just like, "Listen." And so I saw DJ covered, and I was like, "I'm gonna be smart with it." But it was a lot of fun. 
yeah, it was a pretty cool moment for us as Giants fans as well. I mean, we, we felt like we were there already based on kind of week one and week two, where we had like that Panthers touchdown where you kind of were wide open anyway on that one, the open Myrick touchdown. But you could tell there was a difference in the play in the red zone play calling that moment. Oh, yeah. So from our outside perspective, I would say that it honestly does feel like Brian Dable and Mike Kafka give the Giants a weekly edge as both play designers and play callers. So, But from your perspective as a player, what kind of makes them so unique and effective in their play design and their play calling? And you maybe have one specific memory of one play call last season that was called. It worked as planned, and you just kind of st- it stood out to you, and you just kind of like threw your hands up at how impressive it was. Yeah, uh, they, I mean, these guys, every single day at practice, like we'll have a, we'll have a script, and um, we'll have a script of what we're going to run and everything like that, and then we'll come out and Dave's will just toss the script and he'll just start calling stuff off the top of his head. And, and it's funny cause it's like, it's like, it gets everybody kind of nervous and it's like, all right, now I need to focus and make sure I need to know my job. And obviously the whole, the whole concept of the play, but Dave's just kind of just, he's a creative mind, you know, him and Kafka kind of just working together and, and the stuff they come up with, it's like, it's funny. Cause we had, a, um, I think the, the chiefs ran it where they had like a huddle where they, they run, they oh, run yeah. around in a circle. We had that in, um, back in OTAs last year and it was just like the first time we ran I was like what is this you see like the chief running and it's like these creative minds it's just it's insane to me because I've never had like an offensive minded coach before I've always had defensive defensive head coach and stuff like that so being able to kind of just see how he develops plays especially just on the fly and how he can kind of get creative with the play just sitting there thinking like are you motion here uh Saquon you get in the backfield and you guys do, do do what you need to do, and then he's just, I don't know, it's, his creative mind is something that um, I think is awesome, you know, and him and Kafka together, it's just, it's exciting because you know you'll never, you'll never have, like, a dull play, you know, there's always be, like, obviously you have your, your base plays, but just the way he can create a mind or create a play with his mind right on the bat is, is something, something that's pretty creative, pretty amazing. All the Giant fans are very grateful for that, but Daniel, your block effectiveness, it wasn't just limited to what you could do in the trenches on the line of scrimmage. You were frequently used on wham blocks, cut blocks. You were the primary blocking tight end and duo from the fullback position in a variety of different ways. Your ability to block was employed. Do you have a specific play in mind where you made a block you were most proud of? Uh, my favorite box are the cut blocks. Um, you know, I, that's something I actually need to improve on a little bit because I get too low. Um, but my favorite, my favorite block is probably uh, against the Colts um, when I had to go cut DeForest Buckner and um, you know, Saquon, I think went out to the left side for a nice, nice big run. And it was just, it was just fun. Cause like, you know, you see those, those huge D tackles and the Forrest Buckner is, is a big human being. So in my head, it's like, man, how am I going to, I can't block this guy straight up. And so all week we're practicing. And I think the play we had was uh, called Gully cut. So the whole purpose was for me to just go down and cut him and make him think twice about, about rushing up the field. And then it's just a lot of fun. Cause I can just go out there and, and just cut a guy and completely legal and we get a big everybody juiced up yeah it was pretty awesome to see as well from our end and i feel like honestly daniel tight ends these days are just asked to do a lot more than they were even like just 30 years ago i mean i think we started to see it a little bit with belichick and josh mcdaniel back in the past with gronk when they would line them up on the outside and those three by one sets and we obviously have seen you know a lot of teams copy that but one of the coolest things we saw with the giants and you last year was when they lined you up at fullback i think it was first in the bears game if i remember and then a couple times later in the season with the vikings and colts games where they hit you for those big plays so how does that come about for like a tight end to line up at fullback? Is that something that's installed early on and then they use it and then, you know, they call it later in the year. What gives them kind of the confidence that they know they can use you in that way? Yeah, they get uh, they get kind of creative. You know, our online coach, um, OG, um, Bobby Johnson, you know, he's he, he's kind of creative in that, in that aspect where 
you know, we, we have the, the base play, you know, the base wham play, the base uh, split zone uh, schemes and stuff like that. And then it's like as we get going, we know that defenses are going to try to key on us and key where we line up and stuff like that. And so I feel like they, they do a good job of, of moving us around but keeping the same concept. And I think it's, it's important uh, that like, like a guy like me that can get into the backfield and still, still create the same effect on the block – uh, just because the defense isn't sure what I'm going to do now. Like, I know there's a few plays where I'm, I'm coming through the, to uh, block the linebacker on, like, a counter scheme, and then the next play I'm slipping past the linebacker to get a ball down the sideline. And it's just it's just exciting because it's now now the linebacker's not sure what I'm going to do, right? So now it gives me the chance to just go light him up when I have the chance or to just slip him uh, for, for a nice, easy completion. And, and it's, to me, it's, it's a lot of fun, but at the same time it gives us kind of a competitive advantage when we can – create those kind of uh, different different looks. Daniel, what is your favorite moment or your favorite game so far through your young career with the New York Giants? Favorite game? Um, probably the Packers, for sure. Just because it was like going into it, uh, it felt like a Packers home game. Like I felt yeah. like there was a lot of, a lot of Packer fans and it was just like no one was really like, everybody was still disrespecting us and all that stuff. And it was just, it just felt like, we were going in and no one kind of expected us to win. Um, and then, you know, we kind of fought, we kind of fought throughout the game. And uh, I think we went down early and we had to, we had to fight back and climb back. And I feel like that game kind of showed our resiliency. Um, I know we showed it with like the Titans and stuff week one, but it kind of just helped us kind of prove to ourselves that we can't, like we're a team that, that can push through adverse times um, no matter, no matter what it is. And, Obviously, a lot of fun plays with the with the Bellinger special, but it was just it was just I felt like it was a game that showed our resiliency, and it was it was a lot of fun to uh, to win that one. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Yeah, that was an awesome game. I mean, like you said, everyone count out the Giants. I think you mentioned the resiliency. There was a 90-yard drive in there where Saquon had to come off the field and Jones led it anyway. It was just awesome to see. I want to talk a little bit of the, uh, uh, football theory with you for a second here, Daniel. So one theory I've kind of always had, but it's hard to quantify the importance of, so I'm going to try to get your take on, is the importance of a rapport between the quarterback and a receiver. So 
How were you able to establish that chemistry with Jones so early in your rookie season? And in your mind, how important is it for a quarterback and a receiver to be able to see the coverage the same post-snap? I would say very important. Uh, you know, DJ, is he's done a great job, not with just with myself, but with all the guys. And, you know, we, he takes us to, uh, like, Arizona and uh, North Carolina and stuff like that to, to just to get together and get to know us. And I think that's, that's kind of what I admire about DJ the most is – he gets to know you as a person first and he gets to, to kind of get together with you and be like, all right, what, like, what do you like? What do you not like? Like want to hang out, go to dinner. And, and we actually went to dinner as an offense um, every week last year before games. Um, and it was just, it was nice to kind of connect with these guys outside of football. Um, but I think in turn helped us a lot in the film, in the, in the uh, rooms we're sitting together and we're discussing like, like, cause usually we'll ask DJ, like, what did you see here? Um, and then we have a lot of different, like, uh, uh, choice routes and option routes that are opening up for us so it's like he wants to see all right well how do we feel when a defender pushes out to us like what are we thinking when this linebacker walls us off here and it's just like being able to communicate with them um, I, I feel like first started with our relationship off the field and then it continued in the film room because we got to know each other a little bit better than than just football uh, so I think it's very important um, and you know all the best, you know, Brady, Gronk, you know, uh, Mahomes and Kelsey, like all the best, you know, like they have this good relationship with their quarterback. And I feel like it's just so important to, to be on the same page with the quarterback. And I think Daniel Jones does this amazing job getting to know us as people and then being able to, to pick our brains so we can be on the same page. Definitely seems like you guys have an excellent rapport. And it also appears, Daniel, that you have a keen sense of spatial awareness, just reading leverage and sitting when it's appropriate to give Jones an easier target. On inside breaking routes, when you guys were aligned, boundary stack, something we saw a lot late last season, what were your keys to sit after, say, like a soft break to the inside? And what were your indicators to continue the route across the field? Was it as simple as just man versus zone coverage? Because this is something we saw a lot towards the end of the season, and I really feel like it helped the 11 personnel quick hitting passing attack. Yeah, I mean, sometimes it's, it is that easy. Uh, you know, we'll have our motions where we have to get that man or zone indicator. Um, and so knowing that if it's going to be zoned, that more than likely just need to find that space. And then, man, you know, put a little more sauce on the route. But um, for me, it was it was more or less just reading the linebackers, uh, you know, obviously seeing the, the safety shell and, and seeing how they rotate and everything like that. But a lot of times it was just like talking to DJ on the sideline and being like, DJ, like on this play, like I know if, if this backer drops out, like I'm not even going to get to my death. I'm just going to sit in the zone and just be there for you and put my hands up. And then same thing, same thing DJ would do with us. He'd be like, if that guy drops back, just get over there right now. Like, don't even, <laughs> don't even worry about it. Just get over there and we'll get the ball to you. And um, so I feel like just that communication off field was huge. And then, you know, just reading the, uh, the linebackers and the safeties. And, and then sometimes, yeah, it was just that simple, just getting the man zone read and being able to find that space uh, to just create, create more comfortable, uh, like I would say comfortable, like, awareness for DJ just understanding where we're at and so he knows we're going to be at instead of sort of tricking him and then getting picked off or something like that so just just that communication I feel like is is the most important part of the end of the season I got one more for you Daniel and kind of what you know has been referred to at least in the media and just among fans as like a more difficult aspect of the Giants offense we've heard this passing game with the choice routes and it's a little bit more difficult to pick up for you coming from SDSU and then from high school 
was it harder for you to pick up this offense? Because it really didn't feel like it. it felt like you hit the ground running. I believe you played like 72% of the snaps last year. That's with the injury. Your, your snap rate for among rookie tight ends is, is, is through the roof versus history. So it's kind of like feels like it didn't, it wasn't that hard for you, but was it? And you, you kind of just didn't show it. And then do you have like a favorite play call in the offense? Uh, so, I mean, coming in, it was, it was definitely different. Uh, you know, just the, the kind of concepts that we had and, you know, we had different like one word plays that, you know, define the whole play and the concept. And for me, it was it was definitely a struggle at first just because we had and in college. We had like hand signals. And we had the full play call. And so it was just like, all right, I know exactly where to line up. And I know what that guy's got over there and what this guy's got and everything like that. And then coming here with just one word, it was like, OK, how can I how can I not just know my job but where I need to line up? But now I need to know that guy and this guy and how, how it all kind of plays out. And so at first it was a struggle, um, but I think that was what Coach Bish helped me with the most. Coach uh, Andy Bischoff, you know, he, you know, sat down with me, spent the extra time with me, um, you know, sat down and watched the film with me. And we got a good relationship going just because, you know, he always took the extra step to make sure I knew what I needed to do, not just to be able to play more confident and be more comfortable out there, but that I can actually uh, excel more out there. And, and so I feel like he helped me a lot um, as the season went on and, it was a struggle. I mean, during the preseason, it was it was definitely tough trying to trying to not only now know the whole scheme, but playing at game speed. Uh, I feel like the first couple of preseason games, it was it was um, a rough rough little patch. But then once we got into the regular season, I definitely felt more comfortable because I was kind of just thrown in there. You know, when we first came in as rookies, it was like you're going to be thrown into a fire hose, and you just got to learn how to drink yeah. something. Uh, and so it was. I think Coach Dave, you know, was definitely hard on on guys like me, Wandell. Uh, really the whole offense, just because it was kind of new for everybody. Um, but just them being hard on us to a point where we knew where we needed to get better at. And I feel like that's kind of what helped me the most and kind of helped me as we went into the season. And then uh, favorite play. Um, my favorite play is is definitely, like I said, is when I get the flashback across and cut those guys. It's, it's kind of a basic play, but I like it a lot just because a lot of times – the defense isn't sure if I'm going to cut them or the one time where I slip past them on the uh, the Carolina play where it's like, they're not sure if I'm going to slip past them, I'm going to cut them, I'm going to hit right. them. So it's just fun just because if, if, if it's executed right, then the defense just is on their toes and they're guessing the whole game. And it's, it's just a lot of fun. Yeah, on the Carolina play, they really had no option. Either they take you or they yeah. make Jones open for the run. It was either way, either way you lose. Yeah, I'll, I'll, take, I I'll love take that all day. I do love that in true uh, fashion, as most would expect from listening to this. Your favorite play that you brought up was a play where you're blocking. I think yeah, that's true to your personality, and we, lo and we love that. Daniel, I want to ask you about Darren Waller. I know he hasn't been there long, but has there been a wow moment for you in practice? And from a schematic standpoint, what can his skill set bring to the offense that the Giants might have been missing last season? Yeah, I mean, uh, honestly, for me, my first wow moment with Darren was when I met him last year at tight end U. And it was just like, wow, this guy is a lot bigger and faster than than I thought. Like, because obviously I, I see him a lot on film. I'm like, this is a this is a big human being, and it's like him being that big and able to move that fast is is just rare. Um, and so just that was kind of my first wow moment was seeing him in person the first time last year, and it was just like, yeah, I get why this guy, you know, when he's healthy, is is a top top three tight end because he's just he's an unreal athlete. Um, but then just in OTAs and actually watching him work and. You know, being able to talk to him off the field and seeing his work at the Gotham field, you know, kind of just it really pushes me to be better. You know, it pushes me to kind of want to mimic what he does. And it's like how he can get open against a guy that's a lot smaller and maybe a lot faster than him. But then you see his speed and it's like, you know, he's, he's probably got to step on him, too. So uh, he's just he's a guy that can that can uh, 
you know, threat, threat, the field, threat the field vertical. You know, he's a guy that can stretch the field and open things up, not just for myself or underneath, but, you know, different receivers. And I feel like we have a lot of weapons this year. And uh, definitely the, the number one thing is we have a lot of speed. You know, the speeds I feel like going to stretch the field and uh, stretch the defenders that are just going to open up things that, that are going to help us throughout the year. Um, and, you know, Darren, he's not just a great, great uh, player, but, you know, to me, at least so far, he's been a great leader, a great person. And, you know, I'm excited to work with him just because he's got a lot of uh, a lot of insight on things that aren't just football related. And, and I think he can help me especially a lot with the mental side of the game, you know, the physical side of the game and how he prepares. Because I've already talked to him several times, like just these last few weeks, like, like, hey, Darren, like, how do you how do you prepare for training camp? Like, are you going nonstop 24-7 for like a whole month before training camp? Like, are you taking some time off mentally? Like, what is it that makes you an elite player? And, you know, kind of just learning from him as that process goes is, uh, is helping me a lot. Yeah, I thought it was interesting when I uh, referenced that Kittle interview earlier when he's talking about tight end. You, he mentioned that he thought the fastest tight end was Darren Waller, which wasn't that surprising. But then he also said he was the strongest tight end, which I don't think a lot of people may give him credit for. I'm sure you've seen it up close that he's got a lot more strength than people realize there. I want to get you out of here, Daniel. But I want to ask you one more because um, it's just a fun one everyone loves talking about. And it's Daniel Jones. I want to hear if you got any good stories about Jones, either like back with Eli, it was always like he was doing the pranks in the locker room. I don't know if that's Jones's personality, but maybe if not, if it's like a moment you felt like he made you a believer and like we could have something special here. Yeah. Um, he doesn't do too many pranks or anything like that. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I think for me, at least when it kind of opened my eyes, like not only is this a guy I want to get behind, but this is the leader that I want to be with is, is when um, I first had straight, I quit, I strained my quad uh, back, I think right before training camp last year. And so I was, I had treatment every day. And, you know, my mindset was um, be the first one in there, get the treatment in, get the treatment done so I can be ready for, you know, get ready to go. And every single day I'd get there like 5 a.m., 4.45 a.m. And every single time his car was there first. And he was always the first one in there. And so it's like in my head, I'm like, I'm going to try to beat this guy in. So I try to get there at 4.30, 4.15, and he's still in there before, before me. So it was just those moments where it was like, Okay, yeah, this guy's work ethic is is unreal, and he's he's just a leader that you want to play for, you know. And it's and it's like just watch him in the weight room, you know. He's the first one, the last one in the weight room every day, first one, the last one on the field every day. And it's like if I ever need extra work, you know, he's always open to it, you know. He's and it's just crazy because it's like his car is always the first one, and then no matter what, even if he has to get treatment or not. And so it's it's his it's his leadership, and I say work ethic that kind of made me like, okay, yeah, this is this is the guy. I'm I'm glad I'm with this guy. Awesome. Daniel. One quick last question, Daniel. Who was the hardest blocking assignment that you went up against this last season? <laughs> the hardest? Uh, I'd probably say Hassan Reddick was, okay. uh, was a good one. You know, he's just – he's a guy that is just – he's so quick. So, in my head, it's like, okay, I need to, you know, maybe be a little more passive on this play, be more under control so I don't get swim moved, and he'll go right through you. And then it's like, all right, now he's going to come right through me. Right, I'm going to go right through him. And then he, and then he swims me. So, it's like – He's just a guy that, uh, and there's a lot of them, but they're, they're just quick guys that, you know, I need to learn from, and I'm excited to get get after it again this year with them. So, yeah, man, Daniel, thank Daniel, thank you so much for taking the time today. This was pretty awesome, and we're really happy to have you on. Hope you have a great rest of your off season. Obviously, we'll be looking forward to watching in training camp. All right, man, thank you guys. I really appreciate it.
Have you heard about the 2018 study that showed half of prenatal vitamins tested had unacceptable levels of heavy metals? No? Well, now you have. I'm Kat, mother of three and founder of Ritual, the company making traceability the new standard in the supplement industry. I remember staring at my prenatal vitamins and finding all these things I was trying to avoid. High amounts of heavy metals, synthetic colorants, and unnecessary ingredients. So, at four months pregnant, I quit my job and started Ritual, because I believe that all women deserve to know what they're putting in their bodies and why. I'm so proud of our prenatal vitamin. The ingredients are 100% traceable, it's third-party tested for microbes and heavy metals, and recently received the Purity Award from the Clean Label Project. You see, we trace like a mother because, let's be honest, no one cares quite like a mother. But don't just take my word for it. Trace for yourself with 25% off at ritual.com slash prenatal.